Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line, the show for ambitious entrepreneurs who are serious about growing their company and their wealth. I'm your host, Wendy Brookhouse, and I'm the founder of the Total Wealth Accelerator and Black Star Wealth. Thank you for joining us today. Our guest is Laurel Carr. She is the CEO of Impagination, and we are going to talk about all things marketing. Of serious note, something to look at for is our conversation around how to productize your service and the evolution and transformation of digital marketing. Enjoy the show. This is The Real Bottom Line, where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line. Today, I'm very excited to have our guest, Laurel Carr. Welcome, Laurel. Thank you, Wendy. I'm excited to be here. Oh, yeah, so much to talk about because we're going to talk about marketing today and it's such a broad subject. How did you end up owning your own agency in Toronto? <laughs> uh, that is an awesome question. We are, uh, Impagination is 35 years in business this year. Congratulations. Thank you. That snuck up on me with uh, with uh, <laughs> 2020 being kind of like, where are we? Where, who are we? Um, but yes, 35 years in business. And I was thinking about, and I have been thinking about because I am planning a um, to do an event around my 35th anniversary. And I was thinking about my early beginnings. And um, I was um, introduced very early on to um, digital um, uh, design, computer graphic design, digital publishing, desktop publishing, and had the opportunity to um, uh, start my own business. And I was thinking of you when I was thinking of this story because it was just me and my Mac, um, my, my Macintosh, <laughs> original Macintosh in my apartment. And I had to go to a, a print coffee shop, not a coffee shop. We now go to coffee shops to work, but then you had to go to a copy shop to get anything printed. And so each month I would be putting money away to, um, from my, my gigs to, okay, I'm going to get a printer and then I'm going to get a photocopier. And then, and then next thing you know, you have an agency that you cannot run in your apartment anymore. And you, you start bringing people in to work with you and um and the rest is history but I won't bore you with all the details but yes it was started very granularly so deliberate growth if you will yes yes always with that okay what's the next thing in mind what's the next thing um has the definition of marketing changed over that time frame or is it the same I think marketing is such a misunderstood term. Mm. Uh, and in fact, when I, in the early days of my business, um, I used to explain that what we did was not mugs and pens. 
because most people well, they thought, thought it was promotional items. Yes. <laughs> when I said marketing, most people thought that was a, yes, a promotional item that you brand with your logo and then yeah, that's your marketing. Um, so we had to take people through a bit of a longer conversation. Um, and my, in my, uh, in my history, what I saw was I would be invited in to work with a client who had already decided what they needed. And they had decided, they had decided what they needed based on what they knew. So if they um, needed to do a newsletter, they had a, an idea of a newsletter and they wanted it to be just like that newsletter. And I was the one coming in and saying, well, have you thought about this? And what's the intention? What is the purpose? And often getting the client to then agree to, well, let's do a survey to the people who are getting this newsletter. <laughs> Market research, what a novel thing, yes. Yeah, and um, some of my favorite stories are the, the people who, in the case of the newsletter, said, oh, yeah, uh, I put the newsletter in my inbox right you know the paper <laughs> paper tray that was an inbox and when the next one comes I throw everything out underneath the uh, previous edition <laughs> so um the client had a lot of work to do to get a bit more engagement around their newsletter I did not know that uh, a newsletter could be an organizational tool there you go <laughs> <laughs> probably not what they intended um I also think there's a lot of misnomers around what branding is and all that type of stuff. How would you characterize what a brand is versus your marketing strategy? Like how, what's the hierarchy here that people should be thinking about? That's an excellent question. And we, we don't refer to branding. We refer to persona. So okay. we look at the persona of the people who are driving the business and often we see that persona infused in the business. So just as um, Wendy, your persona is part of your business, my persona is part of my business. And because we specifically work with professional service-based businesses, often those people delivering the service are also the people who are um, uh, creating the culture, creating the persona and doing the business development. So what we definitely branding is a is an important aspect of the business. And what we do is look at exactly what the unique value proposition is and create the I would call the branding imagery to reflect the um, the actual value proposition and the persona of the people in the business. So you could kind of pick up a bit of, like if it was for me, you're picking up who I am through the work I'm doing or the, okay. Absolutely, absolutely. Because I mean, there might be, well, there's nobody doing anything, that doing things like you, Wendy, but there's a lot of people who have a similar shingle, let's say to you. Yep. And that is uh, very true in professional service-based businesses. There may be many people who label themselves, you know, accountant, lawyer, financial advisor, whatever. Um, but what they, how they actually show up and how they deliver their services is very unique to them. Um, if they have mined their persona, their, their, their unique way of doing things. 
We had a conversation and you told me a story about three blind men and an elephant. Can you tell me the story and then how it relates back to marketing? Um, oh, I love this story. So if anyone hasn't heard the story, um, the there are three blind men. Uh, um, one is holding the trunk of an elephant, one is holding the tail, and one is holding the leg, and they are each describing the elephant. And each of them only has the perspective of the elephant that they are experiencing. And none of them have the big picture. And that's really how we see what we do is we come in um, at, at, and work with the client to help them see the whole picture, not just these um, the, the element or aspect that they have in their business. So the, often that means we get to see how their whole team works together, um, how, what the strengths of each of the team members brings to the, um, the business. Um, it, it helps us to see who their clients really are. We really, you know, we love to focus on um, who's your best client if you're going to invest in a marketing strategy and marketing services, you want to attract more clients like your best clients. I always say you can accept any clients that come your way, but if you are going to invest time and money and uh, effort, you want to be focused on bringing in more clients like your best clients. Yes. So, so the, the blind man and the elephant really is that you need to have a bigger perspective and you need to see the, the you know, sometimes need that 3000 foot view. And that's what someone outside your organization can bring. Right. Elephant spotlighters. Excellent. <laughs> um, you were working with service providers. One of the things I've heard and I, I love doing myself is productizing your service. What does that mean? Oh, the um, I, because I specifically work with businesses who de who deliver a service. I am constantly aware that some of the uh, ways that they deliver the service can be can be um, created as a product. So, for example, um, uh, and this is this is this might be a little bit fetched, but um, when I realized that I was going to be delivering my, all of my services um, uh, virtually and I was no longer working in my office in the early days of COVID and I was, you know, having to support my mom or whatever, I realized that I'm, I'm about helping my clients show up. I need to show up in a professional way and consistently no matter where I am. So I... Um, I, I, I'm not, you know, nobody's needing business cards when nobody's going out and meeting in face to face. So I created a biz backdrop. So this is a product that is taking our brand and creating a physical backdrop that can be set up anywhere in a live or virtual situation that allows your brand to um, uh, have your back, I say, you know, so uh, this way. Um, so uh, it was seeing that there was a need and mm -hmm. how can I take those services and um, share those? Uh, sh how can I take those services and develop that into a product? Now, when we, you know, reflected, because we just created this for ourselves. So my team, um, I chose, to, I, I, you know, I got a lot of feedback from people who saw it. And I, I said, okay, if I'm going to, offer this as a product, I am going to offer it with our, our branding 
our consultation that is part of our brand. So we would never just let somebody slap up something on a backdrop and say, there you go. No, we want to make sure that it's going to show our clients or our customers at their best. Right. I know there's different ways of productizing a service, um, Wendy. So, you know, but that one just came to mind as, okay, yeah. how can you move something from a business card or a piece of paper that you're not going to be able to hand anyone and create that in another way? Yes. I find that the virtual backgrounds don't work for me. So <laughs> I understand the need. Um, one of the things Especially I was, if you talk with your hands like I do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, all the pixelization is not a good thing. Um, I think of it too for service businesses that productization can do a lot of benefits. Like from my perspective, I productize my service. I call it one number solution or total wealth accelerator. And what it does is it gives me something to sell besides me. And it gives me confidence. Do you have you noticed that happening with your clients when they do that that exercise? Oh, a hundred percent. So what um, what what I often tell people is, um, so our you know our productized services are called the persona maker approach and the impact formula. And what happens is uh, my my clients we'll go through our persona maker approach and the impact formula to understand exactly what the package is that they are selling. Yes. And I will then distill that down into one eight and a half, 11 piece of paper or PDF. And I will say to them, um, this is going to be the most important piece of paper or uh, product that you're going to get from me because you're going to look at this every day. You're going to use it in every single conversation. Everyone on your team is going to know everything about this and all your clients are going to need to hear this at, you know, two or three or four times before they understand all that you're offering, because it won't be relevant. All of it won't be relevant at once. And maybe you have experienced that Wendy, all of it won't be relevant at once, but they, it gives them the big picture to allow them to feel comfortable that you have, you will be taking care of it from beginning to, to end or to for eternity, because often those things repeat over time. So I think a big part of productization is naming that, right? So that you're not just an accountant or a lawyer, you have a system you follow. How do you, how do you come up with the names for these things? <laughs> that is so fun uh, coming up with names. Um, so we part of what our clients do is um, they do a uh, first of all do a Colby assessment. So that's an assessment to understand how they naturally take action. Uh, from their Colby assessment, we can mine all kinds of great uh, um, information about how they, uh, take action and how that is part of their unique value proposition. From their unique value proposition, we're looking for the keywords that then resonate with their clients because then we're looking at we're looking at the client, and then we're looking at uh, like our clients, and then we're looking at their clients. So we're looking at the keywords, just like maybe it, it, one would look at for SEO. You're looking for those keywords that connect the two, um, and so we look. You know, well, for example, um, the impact formula is the name of our private client um, uh, strategic marketing program. 
And it's called the impact formula because it has, you know, six uh, sequential steps. It has, uh, and it's intended to build impact for the client. It is not about us. Right. So uh, you mentioned something I think that's critical to, to productization of a service too, is almost defining your methodology of how you're going to deliver that product now. And that's where having someone with a 3000 foot view can help because often we don't see how, you know, we don't see our customer journey. We don't see the, the steps that a, a, a customer might go through in order to make the decision to engage. So part of what we do is, is break that down and how are you going to address that? Mm-hmm. And how are you going to give um, uh, comfort or um, an understanding to the customer that you are going to take care of um, all of the aspects of what you're delivering. So you're not just um, delivering a one and done solution because there's often a, a, you know, you get to a certain point and then there may may be another, um, then there's the next step after that and the next step after that. Not that each step isn't valuable in itself. Yeah. Coming up with a, uh, being able to see the, methodology or being able to streamline the methodology is really important because often Mm. we see um, people doing something we call meatloaf. They keep doing the same thing they've been doing, you know, year after year and, um, uh, and they don't remember why anymore. And that we call it meatloaf because of the award-winning meatloaf story where the, you know, the, the granddaughter, uh, wins an, uh, the you know blue ribbon prize at the fair for um, her meatloaf, and in an interview, the um, uh, she's asked, "So why do you cut it in half before you bake it?" And she goes, "Oh, I don't know. I'll ask my mom." And her mom says, "Because your grandmother's oven wasn't big enough for the whole loaf." And so off we all do this, right? We all do things that we have been doing and have forgotten why we're doing them. I feel like weddings are parts of weddings are big, big uh, uh, issues with that. So really, it's about blending key clients, your your personality, your unique abilities to and matching it up to what the client needs, coming up with a good name and a good a good methodology. So here's what's coming up for me. And it kind of relates back to a question that one of our audience has is. I would expect you can value base price more when you have a productized your service versus charge by the hour. Have you seen that? Is, is that an effect uh, or a, a byproduct of when you do this, this, this type of work? It's definitely a goal. And um, I mean, some businesses have a pricing structure that you can't, um, you know, you can't alter, but if you're in a situation where you can, um, you can um, look at your pricing model, we always look at how can you package certain things together to um, sell something that is, you know, at a value level, as opposed to, you know, time and materials, let's say. Right. And, and being able to, clearly articulate all the value that comes at each stage because most customers don't know what goes into creating something and once they do 
they're much more appreciative of um, a value offer. And they also realize that there's, they don't have to worry about, oh, is it going to go off budget? Because right. this is the budget. Yeah, this is the budget. You, you know, that's, if you, you've created, if you know um, your numbers, <laughs> yep. uh, if you know your numbers, you can um, feel confident and you also can, uh, um, the, the client or the customer may not know the pitfalls that could happen, right? Yeah. It's, it's something happened to us reason, recently where um, one of our clients um, uh, partnered with uh, another team and so they doubled the size of their team and they needed to get new headshots done. And I'm normally there to direct the photography, but because of... Um, you know, the fact that only one person could be there at a time, et cetera, they went and had headshots done and they totally missed all of the opportunities to get certain things done while they were in front of the photographer. And that's like, yep. Yeah. And we had to fix it after. And it was like, it cost yeah. more. Yeah. yeah it cost more. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Is there ever a time you think when we should charge by the hour? And I'm not talking about our historical systems and that's the way it's always been done. Like, Looking forward, is there a time that it makes sense to charge for our services by the hour versus packaging? Oh, that's a, a very good question. Um, generally, I will quote an hourly rate when someone just needs a, you know, an hour of, you know, to, to, to discuss something with me, but it's, it's, it's a big number. Oh, good. Um, we were also going to talk about the digital transformation of marketing. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it's not that it's a big surprise. <laughs> it's been going on for a while, but certainly the last um, couple, you know, 18 months or so have really put a fine point on it. So there by, um, and, and one other thing that happened just this year that's really driving digital marketing uh, into 2022 is the fact that um, cookies and um, uh, tracking mm -hmm. will no longer be available for a lot of the digital marketing uh, people who are ex who are anticipating being able to work from analytics only. So we've what just uh, so the the um, for example, let's say you send out an email newsletter and if you are, you should be tracking who's opening it and who's clicking on the links within it and, you know, finding out, you know, what you can about how popular or how relevant the topic is. Well, the, um, there will, you will not be able to rely on the, the number of open stats because um, there are going to be devices that will no longer be uh, tracking that something's been open. That's so, the Apple iOS in particular, correct? Correct. Yes. And so um, the this kind of brings home to me, you know, just like uh, you know uh, you, that you need to own your own data. So, for example, you know, you need to have a CRM. You can't just rely on you know, something that's um, maybe you know your mail program to have all your contacts. 
you need to have a CRM. So you own your contacts. I mean, all of these, you know, social media, um, all of the apps that you're using, you're, you're renting them, right? You're paying monthly, you're, you know, whatever you're, you're posting and the platform algorithms can change whenever they want. So if you're committed to communicating digitally, which right now is uh, the easiest way to do that, we really need to take a more of a holistic view. So um, in some, so in our November and our upcoming December blogs, we're featuring, you know, five of 10. So total of 10 uh, tips on what you need to know going into 2022 to stay on top. So things like mm. having a CRM where you control the data, um, having, uh, if you're doing a newsletter, um, you know, uh, on a reg, you know, on a regular basis, marketing is all about action and consistency. So, you know, doing one every once in a while or whenever you feel like it isn't really effective. So we always take the, the view that commit yourself to a schedule and then, you know, use the content everywhere. So once you've created a newsletter, you know, post pieces of it on social media, uh, share it with the, the social media platform that speaks to your audience. Um, maybe some, uh, we've shortened our newsletters so that we have more content in our blog. Um, having a blog means that you're constantly refreshing your website content and you're constantly driving traffic there if you're sending a newsletter that links to your blog. So it becomes more integrated. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I would say one of my favorite tips is that content is not king, but simplicity is. Things have become so complicated and that's not new, but it's become so complicated that you really have to make things simple for people. So being able to have those that seamless flow from your email newsletter uh, to your blog, from your um, social media to your blog, uh, et cetera, and then to your website, you know, so that you're actually capturing eyeballs on your website and, and giving people an action to take there. It feels like it's the consistency piece. It reminds me of that adage, you know, in the advertising world is that you can't just measure the results on one ad because it's about the number of times people see that message before things happen. So it feels like what you're saying is kind of related back to that because you have to say the same thing a number of times or so someone if it gets absorbed. A hundred percent. We call it the GPS of communication. People need to hear it from three different angles before it, you know, lands and sticks, right? So that could be three different media. It could be um, hearing it from somebody else. So, you know, having, you know, having reviews is great. Having testimonials is great. Having, you know, uh, speaking and being part of a podcast like this is great. Yeah. So um, you want to have at least three different ways. And, and that also helps, because people have different learning styles, right? So I'm, I'm a visual person, so I'm glad that we're, you know, doing this visually. Yep. Um, but um, other people are auditory and other people need to actually, you know, physically hold something in their hand or engage or interact with something. Um, those are the kinesthetic learners. So you really want to try, and we always do this with any of the campaigns we work with with our clients, we always try to give 
um, all three um, um, modes and uh, a, a communication um, element. The interesting thing that um, when it comes to capturing our attention, is it harder now? Like, is it, you know, are we getting, you know, those statistics around how many messages we see in a day? Are those numbers going up? And in which case is it like even harder to slice through that noise? I, I'm afraid it may be. Uh, it is definitely going up. And, um, you know, uh, digitization um, and, you know, is, is, is or, you know, the, the world of messaging is, can be as fast as the processors can make it fast. But our brains are slower <laughs> to respond. <laughs> and so we self-select. So what I say is the way to cut through is to be relevant. So relevance is, is the one thing that if you can cut through and be relevant and be targeted to a specific um, audience, you will have traction faster. Awesome. I, I, I don't know. I feel like you're just dropping so many truth bombs here that it's hard for me to pick them all up and, and put them in place. Um, so your blog that's just come out, you've got two of them coming out, five and five of things to do. What are three things that we should as business owners stop doing? What are your pet peeves that you see out there? <laughs> really bad automated email messages. <laughs> <laughs> What is a what is a bad automated email? Oh, it, I mean, honestly, um, you know, just an aside. If anyone's looking for you know blog material, just look at the things that irritate you and do a blog on that. <laughs> rants and raves, I call them rants and raves. Things that you love and things that you that that drive you crazy. Um, so one of my uh, rants is that uh, I uh, I just renewed a membership. And um, the very next day, I got an automated email asking me to renew my membership. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I feel really valued. Um, <laughs> they paid attention. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm on a list and, uh, you know, I will never get off. Right. So it's a little bit like that. Um, so that, so being what I call that is, um, what I call that is being very conscious of the, um, the um, customer experience. So mm -hmm. if you can put yourself in that, this, you know, in the mind, the seat, the shoes of your client or customer and ask yourself, you know, what, how would this, how would this feel because mm -hmm. of feeling, how would this feel if I was the customer and I got this message? Um, and you know, it's 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 a uh, it's something that we really take a lot of care and attention around because it's not everyone who can step away from their side of the business to see how it looks from the customer's perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I'm going to ask one quote more question before I open it up to the audience. And that is um, one of the things we talked about 
on the capturing attention side is is almost like how do you blend a digital and a real world like how can you uh, it almost feels like if i send a piece of mail these days that i'm actually going to capture attention more because no one's doing it so how do you how do you um can how can we blend the worlds oh i love that so number one make sure you get the mailing address for someone when you're <laughs> <laughs> contacts because yes nobody's getting any really good mail anymore now they're not necessarily um getting mail every day so you have to be a little more patient mm. uh, but i agree that having some element that is tactile and it doesn't um, i mean it could be mailed um, literature, it could be, um, but it could be a client appreciation piece. So, you know, sending a client a book, uh, sending a, a, you know, a holiday card. Um, so showing appreciation where we might've all gone out, you know, and done something socially, um, but sending something, uh, to someone physically is, um, nowadays really does have a lot of cachet. So, yeah. Um, so that's a great idea. And yes, it is. Sorry, Wendy, remind me of the, the part of the part of your question, the beginning of your question again. It was kind of like because I, I feel like there's there's different ways to capture attention. Like you can do something totally unique. Sometimes it's even just going old school. But uh, let's talk about unique things that can capture attention. So I, I think um, video is big right now. And being able to show up authentically on video, which is not easy. It is not normal to talk to a little green light on your computer or whatever. Um, but it, we certainly have had a lot more experience <laughs> recently. <laughs> um, and um, I, so I think that that gives people a sense of who you are with before meeting you. So that's the digital, but the analog at the same time, right? Yeah. Um, so that's big. I think um, I am really impressed with how direct messaging <clears throat> in social media, how effective it's been for a mm -hmm. lot of people. So um, uh, and and you know, so I encourage everyone to, if you are reading a post on a social media platform, comment and or direct message the person. So that. I, I find builds some uh, builds a relationship surprisingly um, well. Um, the only caveat there is don't try and automate that. Exactly. <laughs> All the LinkedIn automation pieces I get, I am I don't. It's crazy. Oh, you can see them, smell them a mile away, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's true. Uh, um, okay, first question is going to come from Wayne, and I see he's got a camera off, so I'll ask the question for you. What is the view of, of firms, like agencies like your own, um, the business model of being a fractional marketing, like a fractional CMO or something like that? Do you see that rising at this point? So if I understand the question, Wendy, um, Wayne is asking. Oh, he's back on. I'll get him to ask the question himself. Hold on. Go, Wayne. Yeah, no, it's pretty straightforward. And, and thanks, Laura, for your comments earlier. Um, I'm interested in when I think of service firms, whether they be bookkeeping, um, marketing, et cetera, I'm always interested. They seem to go from project revenue to project revenue, except for large proposals. And I'm curious in your industry, are you seeing a swing or any interest in more of a fractional ownership? So 
let's say tech firm A can't afford you as a full-time senior mm. marketing officer, but we will pay you an, uh, um, a monthly retainer, an annuity income stream, but we have access to you. And what does that access mean? So it's moving more towards the, the value pricing than what I'm seeing normally, which is the standard project um, by project pricing. I'm just curious. If the, I'm, I'm asking you what business model works best for your clients and also, to be honest with you, for you. Okay. Thank you, Wayne. So we actually do work um, long-term with our clients, Wayne. Uh, so we, um, so we, we start by defining the strategy and setting up a client with a 30, 60, 90 day action plan that they have the option of then extending for 12 months because really you're just putting the wheels on the bus in the first 90 days. And, you know, you probably need another 90 days to start to see results and, and um, traction. So um, from there, our clients have the option of engaging us on a retainer to that looks at all of the projects that they will and campaigns that they'll be doing over the course of a year. And um, we build a plan and a retainer package that matches that. And we've been working that way for over 15 years with mm -hmm. one client. So we, we, that is something that is happening. Um, we're not, so we're not there to just say, here's your strategy, off you go. Um, because we know that it takes a little time for people to, you know, get everything rolling. So we want to be there to support them, make sure they don't get stuck anywhere along the way, coach them, um, you know, bring, bring resources to the team that they don't currently have. Um, but most importantly, our role is to keep looking five steps ahead so that we're always going in the direction that they need to be, you know, in the future. Awesome. Nicole, you had a question about CRMs and for CRMs for small business. Yeah, I was just curious what you recommend. I know a lot of us smaller businesses will use things like HubSpot, for instance, um, for CRM. Um, obviously, in the corporate world, I used to use Salesforce, which was the bomb. <laughs> but those are not usually affordable for a smaller business. What Do you have any particular that you can recommend? Uh, Nicole, I have been in uh, a search of an upgrade to our CRM for a, about a year and a half. And we have landed on HubSpot, mostly because we can grow into a lot of their features. Interesting. So you don't have to, you know, you don't have to start at the professional level. And, you know, we already have a lot of pieces in place on the marketing side. We really wanted the sales um, hub side to complement um, our the CRM. Cool. Okay, because I, I use HubSpot, and sometimes I was I often wondered if I was there was something else that I should be looking into, or but that's good to know. Thank you. I really appreciate the number of integrations that HubSpot has in for other you know other um, software pieces that might you may be already using. So you can kind of scale what you want from HubSpot that way. And what do you think? Do you, um, I've, I've not used the analytics on HubSpot yet, but I think I'm going to, because I think that's in the upgraded version, which I'm contemplating doing in January. Do you, I'm assuming you must use the insights, the, the analytics and portion of HubSpot. 
And that's what we're moving into also. We should keep notes. <laughs> Start a support group. <laughs> yeah, my, 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 the advice I got is that you really won't be able to take advantage of the, uh, the, all the analytics till you have three to six months of data. Right. So that's why we thought we would do the same thing. Like, okay, let's start January. <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with them on, on that same path. <laughs> Thank awesome. you. We do, we do track um, through all of, uh, all of the initiatives that we do on behalf of our clients and, um, and ourselves through um, other you know, other software pieces, but it'll be really great to have it all in one place. In one place. Yeah. Mm. Thanks. Simple. Uh, I think that uh, goes into the simplicity is king and queen. Okay. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) Any other questions? Unmute yourself. Put your hand. There you go. Let's Melanie, bring Melanie in. Here we go. She always has the good ones. Laurel. I've been listening to some of Melanie's questions. (laughs) Welcome, Melanie. That was really interesting. I like two pages of notes. Um, I want to thank you for sharing um, your journey. And I I found it interesting if we maybe circle back a little bit. If, you know, when you're working in support of small business clients or any clients um, and and helping them on their marketing journey and helping them grow in whatever capacity, which is something that we do at at VLife as well, that education piece is really important. And I wonder if you have any kind of uh, like top uh, don't do's <laughs> when you're trying to, like, and you don't say to the people don't do, but like, if you have top, like what are some of the common mistakes, I guess, is my roundabout way of saying that you see businesses, particularly small businesses doing that you can help advise them to not do. <laughs> I think the one thing that I see very, uh, that's very common is um, not letting go of certain tasks that could be, you know, completed so much faster if it was outsourced. And I, I, I take the view that what, for whatever reason that person is holding on to that task, um, there's something, there's some need. And sometimes I think, you know, they are just, those, they're just very hands-on people. And so they want to have their hands on whatever it is. Um, but, um, or they think they're, t- so there's, there's that. So the not letting go of certain tasks that they could outsource and have completed and get the results so much faster and sooner. Um, and then secondly, being, feeling that they're too busy that, oh, but if I do that, I'm going to be so busy and I'll be flooded with clients and whatever. And I've been there, you know, I've been there where I'm like, I'm on the precipice of launching something. And I'm like, but then the phone is going to ring and the emails are going to start and da 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 da. So that's where the um, automating and building in some automations to streamline that or having um, being able to delegate to someone to um, do do some qualifying before, um, let's say the, the, business owner the lead person in the business is taking the time to Mm -hmm. have a conversation the other thing melanie um, is that i have um, reduced my intro intro phone calls so someone anyone here and anyone can um, go on almost any page of my website and book me for a complimentary discovery call Uh, in the past those would have been an hour 
And now they're 15 minutes, which I will sometimes stretch to 30. So it's amazing if you say you have 15 minutes, how quickly you get to the point. (laughs) (laughs) Those are a couple. Does that help? It, yeah, very helpful. It's very insightful. Um, the 15 minute, uh, phone call. I'm looking at my, wait, what, what do I need to stop doing here? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have to, you can't ramble. You can't amble, right? Like yeah. you've got 15 minutes and like, it's like we, you, you nail it. And if there's a connection and if there's a resonance, you book an hour, or Absolutely. You, book call, you know, so yeah. And then if you're, what I can see as well is um, that it's also respectful of the other person's time yes. as well. So I've seen it done that way too. Like um, if you're a 15 minute phone call, I know your time's valuable. We'll get straight to what matters to you, that kind of language. Um, and, and then we can take things from there. Ah, that's really cool. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Somebody mm-hmm. called it a meet and greet. <laughs> I was kind of thinking it was like a, it was like a having a cocktail at a networking reception. <laughs> Move on. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, that's awesome. How do people connect with you, Laurel? Oh, um, you can reach, uh, you can reach me at my email. So laurel at impaginationinc.com. You can also find us on our website, impaginationinc.com. And um, I, I would imagine you're on LinkedIn and uh, absolutely on LinkedIn, on uh, Instagram. We're a very visual organization. So we have a lot of um, we like and uh, we like um, Instagram uh, and um, we're also on I'm on Twitter and whatever. But, you know, the I would say LinkedIn and Instagram are our main areas. That's awesome. Well, I want to thank you today for your time, Laurel. And I think the real bottom line is don't put meatloaf in your marketing. Thanks, everybody. This is The Real Bottom Line, where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started.